0: Welcome to the Zulu Time Podcast, a straight talking conversation between two watch enthusiasts about the world of military watches. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of the Zulu Time Podcast with your host, Dan from at timely underscore moments. I hope you guys all enjoyed the last interview with Aaron. Um, over at Basel watches um I felt that was quite an interesting take on well firstly case design I guess with their signature with the hollow glass crowns um and then also obviously for some very unique um charitable projects and military projects in there as well so if you haven't already listened to that and you're new to the podcast I suggest you go back and listen to that um but um you know, if you have listened to it, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, this week's episode or this month's episode is probably more accurate because I'm only going to do one episode this month. Um, I know I tend to aim for two where I can, but it's the Christmas season, guys. So giving the mic a rest uh, until the new year. And what's really scary is to think in the new year, the Zulu Time podcast has been running for almost three years um so yeah uh, epic really to think that it started out guys as a lockdown vanity project i won't lie to you so yeah we've come all this way from a lockdown vanity project to 64 episodes where you've listened to me uh talk about the history of military watches and bring on like-minded watch crazed mentalists to talk about the military watches adventures and all of the kind of other stuff that we like so thank you for um accompanying me on that journey and i hope you obviously have a good christmas and a good break uh, but until then um you've got a, another special collaboration episode um with myself and aj from over at the bellingham podcast where we're going to talk about diving today denmark christmas suggestions i believe yeah, so yeah, I think that's what we're doing. Isn't it right, AJ? AJ?
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds like a typical day in conversation uh, between you and me. I've got tea and I got a hot mic, so let's do this.
0: So I've also got tea. I have a hot mic and I just want to just set the scene. Um, so the Zulu Time podcast is actually on <laughs> tour at the moment. Um, I'm actually away for the weekend. I'm in Wales um, and I've not been in Wales since covid uh, and it was in summer and um obviously infinitely nicer weather um i'm currently freezing my tits off guys in an airbnb <laughs> um so aj has a hot mic i have a hot mic but i'm physically freezing so oh dude, you,
1: you are a- bu- you are bundled up like a uh, an, an abominable snowman man you've got like the whole <laughs> like scarf from the middle east i think you have like three layers you got like a jumper on like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: there's layers
1: you you got headphones but they also look like good earmuffs at the same time they, bro like they are
0: they're working yeah yeah they're keeping <laughs> the uh, ears from getting frostbite so i actually feel colder here than i did a few weeks ago in denmark and i was on the i was on the the west coast of denmark right literally on the North Sea, I was literally on the edge of Jutland, so obviously where the Battle of Jutland took place in a German, not German, yeah, a German built, you like this, a Luftwaffe built World War II camp, which the Danes now use to train their reserve forces in. So the history of that camp is, is phenomenal. Um and It was right on the coast, it was literally probably 600 metres on the coast so yeah that kind of tells you um what that kind of environment was like and i feel colder in wales than i did <laughs> on the coast of <laughs> the coast of denmark so, oh man wah, wah, wah. yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know one of those but yes but you know we're still here we're going to talk about watches and we're just going to power through because that's the kind of people we are absolutely right, uh advantage is watch crazed and we planned this episode a few weeks ago so we were going to commit to it true um Hey Joe, what what have you got on your wrist today,
1: bro? Uh, actually, I've got I've got two, uh, because uh I've I've been diving even though it's uh even though it's November here in the Pacific Northwest and uh like it's about three C outside, but like uh, I've been diving up until about uh two weeks ago, um so I I still have my Garmin yeah. Descent G1 on, uh largely to track my vitals yeah. ever since um I got a upper respiratory infection that I just recovered from so Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a combination of uh seeing what my surface interval is and where my body battery is because man i got i got meleeed but um on my other wrist i've got my baltic aquascaf bronze uh back on wrist just because it dovetails into what we're talking about later in the show Mm -hmm. so what do you got on wrist
0: nice nice so i have uh, um an elliot brown oh god it's like you knew. Oh um, no. Surprise. Nice jeez! Surprise face. Oh jeez! Oh yeah. Um, so uh, I took delivery of some new straps because, again, it goes back to it. You know, we're going to talk about some uh, Christmas suggestions and all that for watch guys. Yeah. Um, and I felt like you know a strap really does do a lot for a watch, especially if you've been wearing the same watches as I seem to have now gravitated to, like a very set amount of watches out of the the vast collection that I am fortunate to own. Um, And I actually have paired it now with a OEM Elliot Brown felt strap. Now, I was just basically, I was just intrigued by it, to be honest. So the first felt strap I saw and shout out to him because he's going to get mentioned in the podcast later is Giles over at Schofield Watches. So he is another uh, British brand, very, very small, independent brand, um, really interesting design aesthetic. Um, and the first felt straps I'd ever seen were from him. Um, and he has loads of different colorways and they look really interesting and really cool. The problem that I've got is I don't have any watches with a 24 mil oh. look width yeah. anymore. So it's very difficult to find that. Um, and then I stumbled over, um, on, cause I basically was Googling it and I was wondering if I could find another pe- you know, people to make them and, um, kind of stuff like that, and just to see other third parties. But in the end, I actually just decided to do a bit of a deep dive on the Elliot Brown website and actually managed to find in a back post or relating back to the Tynan watches, that hmm. they decided to run a felt strap. Um and I th- they have them in stock, so I just committed to it to be honest, because you know, why not? Um it's really nice, really comfortable. Uh, unlike the other Elliot Brown straps, and again guys, I know you can't see because obviously it's just an audio podcast, but I'm showing AJ another elliot Brown that I've just got for the trip, um, where the leather is kind of integrated into the lugs. The um felt strap doesn't do that. It curves, but it doesn't fully integrate into the side of the case. So for me my tiny girl wrists as people in the watch fam like to say uh, i would say perfectly proportioned for my height the same here um, same,
1: i got the same same type is. of wrist
0: the um uh the the fit as it were obviously is, you know because it just comes straight down off the lugs because it's not obviously molded to the case so it, it provides a really nice fit um uh, but really nice um i think it's just a different kind of style strap obviously uh and i think it's great for winter because it's just kind of you know goes with that kind of, you know, knitwear attire. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's on the Elliot Brown Canford. So I've seen a big fan of the Canford case. And I know you are as well. Um, uh, this is my DLC Canford as well. And I, um, it's, it's funny, really. I actually wear this steel one more hmm. than the DLC. It's, it's a bit odd. And I think it's because the DLC Canford of the project was because it was a gift. Uh, and I'm quite open to tell people it's a gift. um, clearly because it's just gone online again but um because it's a gift i see it as almost a more of a special occasion kind of watch to wear whereas that. because obviously the steel one was the project um i tend to wear it a little bit more um but yeah i just think the black buckle the gray felt just looks really cool and it off plays with the markers for winter so that's what i've got on Lovely, man. That's a long-winded that's a long explanation to felt, I know, but I felt it needed to have.
1: No, it's it's very, I think it'll keep your wrist warm in the next, you know, 45 minutes that we record because Lord knows you need another layer, man. Like, Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly that. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've got on. Um, still clearly loving Elliot Brown, and I think we need to actually segue a little bit into that when we talk about our main topic as well, which I forgot to mention is obviously manufacturing ability. So so yeah but before we get onto that and obviously we've done Denmark because you wanted to know about Scandinavia and I can summarize it for you.
1: It's cold, cold, dark and wet, right? It's
0: wind, windy, windy, it's wet. It's quite exposed and flat actually. Well, it, you know, where I was it wasn't as mountainous, huh. apparently more in the central to the east um towards uh Sweden and all that kind oh, of stuff gets more right, mountainous. Right. Um so where I was was literally it was flat. It was obviously it was on the sea um but i would say they eat very well um big lovers of pork everything is pretty much pork out there um they love ice cream cake like for dessert ice ice cream cake is a thing um i had real danish pastries
1: Ooh, how were they
0: yeah they were very good (laughs) very good um in, in, incredible uh, <laughs> and you're like this so not you I know mean, i know i've spoken to you about it but for those who don't know obviously i've been in denmark with work i spent about three and a bit weeks out there and i was documenting a 10 nation exercise out there so we had uh, effectively uk holland the baltic states and the scandinavian states out exercising together Uh, Doing what we do in the military, loads of different uniforms, loads of different cultures out there, Uh, a really good experience, but you'll like this, um, and I'm going to have it as a suggestion for life, Hmm. is I learned of a Swedish tradition while I was out there called fika. Have you heard of fika?
1: I have. Ah, yes, fika. Uh, Chris and I did a segment on it uh, for a word of note series for the Bellingham podcast uh, back in the 140s uh, era.
0: Yeah. So for those who don't know what fika is, fika is a daily or sometimes twice daily break where the Swedes will actually down tools and have coffee, tea, cake and contemplation.
1: Yeah. That is my kind of, that's my kind of jam.
0: Yeah. So the Swedish contingent actually invited me for Fika on the exercises. So there you go. Uh, I'm a fan. And during Fika, I got to experience real Danish pastries because obviously they didn't bring their own cakes with them. They bought them there. We had real Danish pastries um, during Fika and it was really good. So there you go. Uh, I will put a link into the show notes for Fika And there is actually, you like this, because I was so excited about it. I sent it out to my own family. There's actual, like, suggested kind of pastries and cakes that you should have at Fika. Really? As well, which is interesting. Yeah, so one of them is the standard cinnamon bun or cinnamon roll. It was very good, mate. It was really good. You'd like it. Um, The most interesting pastry I had out there was called Napoleon's Hat.
1: Napoleon's Hat?
0: Yeah, so it literally is, to describe it, right? It's a ball of marzipan. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's balled up. Mm-hmm. It's then placed inside, I guess, biscuit, a really thin layer of biscuit. So it's like a ball. And then they put it onto a flat bit of biscuit. Huh. And then if you were to turn it upside down, it then looks like your cap and gown hat from university.
1: Right, right. A mortar, um, uh, mortarboard.
0: Yeah, hence why they call it Napoleon's hat. <sighs> but the Napoleon's hat bit is then dipped in chocolate. Ooh. So the base is chocolate, but the, yeah... It, it it's, it's yeah and they call it Napoleon's hat that was one that we did try but yeah so that was my experience um obviously did um did my actual job for the first time properly since you know training congratulations uh, l- thank you learned a lot um trade-wise learned a lot and just how to you know coordinate the standard stuff, as you you and I both know, stuff yeah. like you know, just c- 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 content capture, effectively uh, editing, and then just kind of working—not just to a deadline, but working to what other perce- people's perception would be of a deadline, right? Right? And others, people's perception on what the outlook product would look like um which was interesting and then one of the other interesting actually probably the most interesting serial as it were that we we did or provided was we covered the joint uh, 10 nation service for remembrance or Veterans Day, as you call it in America. So that was quite interesting. We had uh, a Danish padre, we had a British padre. It was joint in Danish and in British, and all that kind of stuff. So there different traditions all the way through that. And I think that was quite a special occasion to document. Um, that was quite nice. So nothing spectacular in terms of obviously where those kind of images will go to. But I just felt it was kind of you know it was more on a personal note, quite a, a different remembrance service than I've had yeah, in the time that I've served um so yeah it was, it was an interesting experience it was good
1: yeah no you worked you i mean you worked the event real well i mean i, I was obviously you were shooting me shots uh straight out of mm. camera and stuff but um yeah man you were you were getting all the angles the thing that i thought was cool was you had one mm. of the shots that was used by I, I can't you'll have to forgive me i can't remember who, uh what the division was but one of your shots was mm. used for uh promotion right afterwards wasn't it
0: Yes so we did um your standard obviously we would call it in the trade i guess it's gripping grin yeah. um you know people people getting awarded stuff um, and effectively the two counterpart two star the two star general who came up to visit um he effectively gave his danish subordinate but she was the danish commander of the exercise so for the danish contingent she was the representation of Denmark for the entire exercise coordinating, obviously, between her, the government and that guess all that kind of stuff and that level. Um, they presented her a couple of joint warfare standard, you know, plaques and all that kind of stuff. Um, that image and that presentation serial uh, went out on the danish military network which is quite cool so that that image is accredited to you know i guess the ministry of defense used by them and that that was quite cool to see um other clients as it were customers you know using that output um you know and at the end of the day like i said you know yes it's a very simple photo but i think those kind of photos for like the corporate stuff isn't it it's quite important to show those ties because um, before you know like you said you know the, the military from my experience would be they would have been quite happy to have just used an iphone you know and i think sometimes guys i think in the world of military photography and it's something that i had to learn um is it's kind of best foot forward sometimes that you know if you have a person who is trained there with a camera it actually just makes you look more professional whether the photo needs it or not it just sets you off in the correct tone to build bridges with certain entities, organisations, uh, countries, militaries. And I think that's what the importance is for elements of this, that kind of stuff. So even though the image is quite basic, I think the output and the effect, the impact that it can have in the way you conduct a basic image is actually more important than the image itself
1: oh yeah no i mean that's uh, for any photographer especially when you're doing event or wedding or you're doing any anything that deals with people you're a, a relationalist uh, at the start because you're you're building relationships and eventually i mean when you're doing it private i mean obviously you're doing that for clientele uh, later but mm-hmm. also that's how you get those you get into areas you get access to the areas, so that you can get the angles to get the shots um that you wouldn't uh, be able to easily access otherwise if you have those relationships now you know in the mm-hmm. future they might pay dividends so no that's totally cool
0: yeah so it was a good experience bro uh really really enjoyed it uh hoping to do obviously more uh, and the unit that i'm obviously at will continue to do those level of you know kind of engagement yeah and the basic bits um and like i said it's just it's just builds confidence it build, builds you know experience and at the end of the day i just you know want to use this unit as the you know the pin not the pinnacle but the, you know the start the stepping stone to to gain that experience but that's enough about Denmark. what about diving let's talk about diving because, <laughs> diving one well, i i just want you to start right with how cold <laughs> it was I know there's, I know there's a, bit, a lot of this episode's been me complaining about the cold, <laughs> but the message that I read when I was away was the best thing I've ever read. Oh really? In your dedication to diving, yeah, that it about the kettle and heating <laughs> up the gloves. <laughs> okay, it was amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, okay, so um, I was on course for uh, the deep deep diving course, which um, so yeah. in scuba. Typically, when you get your first uh, open water certification, your depth rating is uh, limited to basically 20 meters or roughly about 60 feet, Mm -hmm. three atmospheres. And if you want to go deeper, obviously, you have to take more classes because as you go further down into the depth tables, you don't want to, you know, um, you don't want to cause yourself to have to do a decompression stop or uh, ascend improperly and get bent. Uh, uh, Decompression sickness, DCS. So... Um, on my, my route of, of, um, going through the, the, the ranks of, of scuba classes, the deep class was kind of the last one I was going to do this season. And, um, it just happened to line up that, oh, you know, uh, my dive partner and I, we worked out that we could do it in November and we haven't had snow yet here in the Pacific Northwest. So, you know, it's been cold, but we haven't had a lot of precepts. So like, you know, even though it's, maybe, you know, zero degrees C outside, the water temperature mm-hmm. obviously is a little bit warmer. So, um, yep. when we started, I'll do it in Fahrenheit, uh, just cause it's easier for me. Um, we started our dive, uh, it's a, it's a three tank, three, a three dive day. And it took us all day to, uh, to do the course. Um, we started our day at nine o'clock and it was 37 degrees Fahrenheit Water temperature was like fifty degrees Fahrenheit, you know? And we're we're all diving dry suits. Yeah. So my my dive instructor, he brought two giant crafts of hot, scalding hot water. Because as you dive, um, you'll um you'll you'll do your first dive. And then when you uh, come back up topside, you have to do a surface interval to off-gas the nitrogen. <clears throat> well, that's when you really start getting cold. And our gloves are all wet wetsuit gloves. Um so yeah. I uh we all dive basically at a five mil. Uh, wetsuit glove. And obviously that's, that's the part that's always constantly wet and always going to be constantly Mm -hmm. cold. And so we would pour scalding hot water back into our gloves, kind of shake them up, put it into our hood as well so that our, our head stays warm and don all of our stuff and then head out for our second dive and head out for our third (laughs) dive. And it was the only way that we keep our, like, if, if, uh, if I didn't know that trick, oh man, my fingers, I would have been just I might as well have had just lobster hands where it's just like I'd have claws. I couldn't be able to move them. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. cold. But, um, yeah, man, it was good. So we did, um, we, we dove Lake Watcom, which is a freshwater body that's right adjacent to, to here in Bellingham. And mm-hmm. we, uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, we ran into a drought, uh, this last season. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a, a, heat dome like I'd, I'd mentioned before on your show a year yeah. ago, but we've been running into a lot of water problems in the, across the United States in general. um, but the impact of it just here locally, we were able to see because uh, Lake Whatcom, We dive this area called AMPM Beach, and you typically there's a little swimming area for kids and it's roped off in the summer and stuff. And at the beginning of the season, you know, we would wait out there about halfway, you know, put our get our stuff on, and we could just sink and you know start doing our diving. Now we can literally walk to where the rope edge is of the swim area, and it's only knee deep. And my dive instructor was kind of concerned because typically on the deep course, you want to break a hundred feet um, Mm -hmm. so that you can start getting into nitrogen narcosis and figuring out how your body reacts to being narked. And um, we couldn't get down to a hundred feet. So the area that we typically dive does usually go down to a hundred feet. Furthest we could get down was 92 feet. So even here locally, like we can... We've we've lost quite a bit of water, um, so hopefully this this winter we yeah. can replenish a lot of what we've lost in the drought this last season.
0: But I mean, eight feet across the the width of however deep it's that a lake. lake. You know, wide that lake is. That's a that's it's a, lot a lot of, lot of water. water.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of water. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit that was a bit uh, that was interesting to to kind of wrap my head around um, in in just my neck of the woods. But uh, no, I was also um, I was I had a a, a watch on loan, uh, Matt. Uh, uh, who's, uh, the owner and proprietor of tipsum, uh, tipsum watches out of Seattle. He sent me up his uh, 200 meter diver. And, uh, so I took it down on all three of my deep dives. And currently, um, I'm the only person that he knows of that's taken his watch down beyond 90 feet. I mean, it's, it's a small thing. Like, you know, it, there are, they're a small brand, but they're a local brand here in, in Washington. So it's kind of yeah, nice yeah, yeah. to have that claim to fame
0: mm-hmm.
1: being the first. So,
0: for those who haven't followed AJ's photography, um, that either is um, all due respects to the company. Hmm? I would class it as a Fifty Fathoms clone.
1: Well, it's not really a clone, but it, it takes the vibes from the Fifty Fathoms. Yeah, because like the the dial is it doesn't it doesn't have the Fifty Fathoms like dial and stuff, but the case the case shape definitely has that vibe but loomed out to the hilt. Absolutely love the bezel insert. It's an acrylic, domed acrylic bezel Mm -hmm. insert. And... Like I like I told him I think I uh, I think that's the coolest part of his design because underwater mm-hmm. and it's a wide bezel with it being domed and loomed mm-hmm. hitting it with a torch underwater it jumps up like what I would think a, a resonance would look like underwater yes. you know and that is yeah, super yeah, like that. cool
0: like that water droplet yeah
1: of. but anyway so yeah uh, that was my 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 uh, most recent dive uh, before that my dive partner and I we've been just diving locally we went down to um Whidbey Island, uh, which uh, mm-hmm. there's a crossing that goes from Whidbey over to one of the peninsulas here, and there's a ferry crossing, and adjacent to it is a jetty, and uh, mm-hmm. so we decided to dive the jetty and stuff, and we were maybe we did 65 feet, but we were looking for critters, and um, I came up and uh, met a giant Pacific octopus GPO.
0: Yeah, I saw that first.
1: Yeah, the giant Pacific octopus, man, like, and I, I wrote on my sub stack, there's, there's a lot of lore here in the Pacific Northwest around the, uh, that specific octopus. But let me, hear, let, me, let, me t- let me, tell you something. Like, when you see an octopus, like, at the aquarium, like, those are, you see, like, wow, that's a big octopus. Nah, bruh. When you see a giant Pacific octopus in the wild, that is an entirely different beast. Like, this thing, uh, if, it, if it did stand up, could almost reach, like, my shoulders, head to toe uh, in length. And the arm on this thing was as thick as my forearm. You know, like, she had suckers the size of quarters. You know, it, this is a giant, which, uh, you know, when you think about the old seafaring tales, like 200 years ago.
0: Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, you, you know, these are big sea monsters. Right, like, you know, right. And, and actually, like you said, the other side of it is that she's probably still considered a small one. Yeah, like, yeah, she was. Uh... In the gra- like, in the grand scheme of things, you yeah. Know, when we think about, If you watch, I I don't know what you tend to watch on YouTube or like, you know, things that just pop up. But like, sometimes I kind of like end up watching the really bizarre cooking shows and, you know, people like cooking random stuff and like mental stuff. And like, when the seafood comes on, I'm always interested because normally it's outrageously sized or it's just Mm -hmm. a very unique creature. And sometimes a combination of both. And you look at the size of the octopus that, like, you know, you can catch sometimes to eat. You like that, that thing's massive. Yeah. You know. So she's probably, like you said, average sized or smaller. You know, to the size that they could get to. Yeah. You know.
1: But what's interesting is, so here in the northwest, um, there's the Tacoma Narrows, which uh, back in the day, the, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge actually fell uh, due to. Uh, um, a engineering malfunction hence got the name of the galloping gertie but underneath it there's a lore of that there's this uh ancient uh giant pacific octopus that you know if divers go down and meet her she'll like you know swallow you whole or something like that well come to find out um my uh, one of my dive instructors the owner and proprietor of uh gone diving the dive shop that I, I dive with here you know she pointed out like they don't live that long they're these giant gentle giants that um, they don't, they don't like each other. Like they only come together when they need to mate, but, um, they only live a couple years, you know, um, they live, uh, maybe four years. Um, and then after the, the male or the female, um, breed, they, that's usually when they start to d- decay and die. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting that these, these creatures can get the, you know, for, for 200 years can get this huge lore around them. Even though mm. they're basically monastic, they just keep them themselves, and they're you know they're curious. They'll come up to it. I mean, there mm. has been diver accounts where they'll come up and you know d- feel around because that's how they kind of uh, uh, see things. Basically, is mm. with their tentacles and their their suckers. But it was just it was just fascinating to actually see one in the wild as a as a mm. diver. But yeah, that's that's kind of my my two most recent um, things and. Um, of course, watches on wrist, um, I dive with my SKX, I dive with the Baltic, which is why I had it on today, um, the Tipsum, uh, the Ares Diver 1, and then obviously I have my, my Garmin as my actual dive computer, because you don't need an actual mechanical watch to go diving.
0: Shock face. No, you do not, AJ. No. However you know it's a it's a nice link and it is what it is you know and this is going to link back into the other stuff because you sent me some updates last night of red bar oh yeah um now firstly that jaeger la dead seconds or stop seconds mm-hmm. that thing i've read about that before the geophysique really cool mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so for those who don't know what it is guys just so you're aware not all mechanical watches sweep yeah um, but yeah the geophysique is one of i think there's another one by another company as well oh um but anyway the point being is is it a fully mechanical watch unlike grand seiko and it does not sweep. It ticks. it's a, it's, <laughs> um, it's a
1: deadbeat second. And it's that yeah. JLC is something else because it's it's really it's not just yeah. the watchmaker's watch. It's the watchmaker's watch that doesn't give a hoot. Like, so it ticks. Mm-hmm. But the mechanics on the inside and, and the finishing on it is beautiful. But when you see it, you're just like it just takes it to a whole new level. And then on top of that, the accuracy that you get from that deadbeat is just, of course, yeah. JLC would do it. Of course they would,
0: yeah because they can You they know? can that's basically it you know uh, but that that was really cool yeah. I, think, I wasn't expecting to see that when I opened up the album of watches that you sent through um, yeah there was a standard plethora in there of new guard watches some you know fun ones that look like you know like Pop Party, Yeah. Uh, right through to your vintage Submariners and all that kind of stuff What's interesting, and this is kind of like why I wanted you to talk about diving with watches and all that kind of stuff, was in and then bring it onto Red Bar. Is obviously the amount of people who must be shocked when you tell them that you dive with a watch.
1: It's 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 a good conversation starter because um, I mean I've I've hiked with a watch, f- I mean forever. Uh, I, I I would argue like having an actual watch wall. Backcountry is a requirement because, like, your GPS can go down, your phone is always going to be dead. But to be able to mark time and how far you go is critical. Um, underwater, I mean, you don't. It, it's nostalgic, and unless you're doing something like the navigation course where you have to do fin kicks or you have to count, uh, that's where like the the oh, the FXD, you know, why it has a countdown bezel, right? Like the 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 Nage de Combat or whatever the the French division was that that commissioned that watch, Marine Nationale you know you use a countdown uh, bezel especially underwater when you're doing navigation you know it's it's a good tool uh, and i've i've taken that course so that way on your dive computer your dive computer is dedicated to obviously your depth and and time and and stuff and you can just use a secondary watch to do <clears throat> that navigation course it makes sense but for yeah. for general diving like nah, I mean, I I do it because it's fun. Um, and Mm -hmm. that way when I'm out of the water and I have a really crummy day at work, I can just go, Oh yeah, I thrashed this onto a, uh, a a jetty because there was a rogue Mm -hmm. current, you know, it's, it's cool. Um, but you know, most, most people, when uh, they find out that I I, I do dive and I do take watches down, you know, it, it opens up a conversation of like, Whoa, which ones have you gone down with? Any of Mm -hmm. them that have a pressure rating, honestly, like most of my watches, if they have a pressure rated and they're tested, then yeah, I'll, I'll take them down. And I've had some interesting conversations where it's just like if they if they didn't know that about me. Uh, for instance, my Baltic, I'll use this as an example, which is why I have it on wrist, is I had somebody um, not at a red bar, bars, a uh, watch person, but not at a meetup. And uh, they're like, oh, your Baltic's a, a, a lovely gentleman's diver. What do you mean it's a gentleman's diver? Oh, well, you know, I wouldn't I would never dive with it. Oh, OK. Do you dive? No i do and i take it down all the time like what do you mean what do you mean is a gentleman's mm-hmm. diver you know it's it, it, it's just this kind of perception where uh, it's a smaller watch or it's not a big brand like omega or, or rolex or whatever and it can't dive well the the dial says 200 meters like i, I think a lot of people uh, don't understand how deep 200 meters no. is even an skx 007 which you know, when you see two hundred meters, like if anybody's has watched um, uh, the rescue um, with yeah. the 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 folks that were stuck in the Thai cave, you know those yeah. those cave divers. And I've got a link in our show notes. You know, um, there's uh, Dr. Richard Harris. He was one of the, he was the guy, the anesthesi- uh, anesthesiologist diver that um, helped uh, eventually get all those kids out. He uh, did a talk time with um, a YouTube channel that I, I watch, which is absolutely great, called uh, Dive Talk with these two professional cave divers. And they're also rebreather yeah. divers and stuff. And they talk and they show what 800 feet deep looks like, you know, 666 feet looks like. Most of the time, you're not diving that deep. even Even as a scuba diver with a deep rating, the farthest I'm going to go is 40 meters or 131 feet. That's five atmospheres. So any watch that has 200 meters on the dial, you could do it twice over and still not breach the depth rating of the manufacturing of the watch. So why not dive with it or jump off a dock? You know what? You're not going to reach it.
0: Yeah. And also they're, you know, tested 10% or 25% above as well. Right. ISO ISO standard. if, If
1: they abide by ISO standards, then yeah, they have to test above that rating. But... It's just, it's just kind of funny because, you know, it came out there, there was uh, another meeting that I was uh, uh, at and um, somebody had a vintage, vintage divers, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. The guy just got it serviced and stuff and um, brought it up to spec. And Mm -hmm. somebody was just like, if anybody ever dives with that, they should be locked up. And I'm like, excuse me? like the the dude just had it professionally serviced and it's been de- it, it got its depth rating back now yes it's a very expensive yeah. vintage diver you know if it were to mm-hmm. flood you would be in a world of hurt to try to get replacement parts i completely understand that but it, these were these were tools these were the dive computers of the day and they were yep. manufactured back then to make 100 and 200 meters so if you mm-hmm. use contemporary stuff to get it up to spec, why not dive with it? If you're if you're that yeah, if you if you dive and if you're that passionate about that, you know, add to its story because it's made to do it. <laughs> like
0: Well yeah, and that's the point. You know, it's one of those what I found really funny is I think from the people who I've spoken to who have dived, I mean I've only done a tri dive to like I think it was like 10 meters or whatever. But anyway, great experience would, would do it again. But like you sit down kind of going from all the stories I've heard, it's not so much the watch flooding, it's more the ability to lose it. Like, sure. you know, what I mean, like mm-hmm. their fear that I've, you know, from people I've spoken to, the fear isn't so much flooding a watch and having it service no matter what it is. It's actually is if it snags on kit or snags on the boat or whatever, or I, you know. Get into some altercation with a giant Pacific octopus. octopus, and it rips a <laughs> rips a watch off. You know, epic story. Yeah, am I content with the with the likelihood or the you know the possibility, no matter how slim, of actually losing it, sure. not necessarily flooding it? And well, I think that's where you know the common sense should come into it. But if if it's if it's been serviced, if it's rated and it's been pressure tested, have yeah. to do all these things. Go out and make memories with these things, because why would it? Because like right, you said, why wouldn't you? But also, you spent the money to get it up to spec in the first place to make these memories with it. So go and do it.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: I, know, that's I, my opinion.
1: No, and I agree. Like it's it's great to think, and yes, I totally agree. And and yes, spring bars can fail and stuff. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. spring bars are cheap. Like, for example. Yeah. So when uh, my my SKX 007 is coming up seven seven years old, okay and okay. i showed you like you know um cuz i do dive with it I, it had the original gaskets okay i ordered a gasket replacement kit and popped everything off relubed everything re uh, did the the case back gasket and i was set to go you know mm-hmm. it's it's like it's like having brakes in a car okay like mm-hmm. things wear if you use it as intended purpose service it whether you do it yourself of or course. you send it out you know and it's just it's an insurance policy. Same thing with my spring bars, you know, and I use um, I, I prefer the Seiko's um, dive uh, spring bars. I use them. As well, matter mm-hmm. of fact, my Baltic one. No offense, Etienne. But, you know, I took Baltics off and I use the 20 mm-hmm. millimeter overwidth width uh, dive spring bars on my Baltic for that very reason that you just said, because I don't want to use, uh, you know, a standard uh, 20 mil. Uh, spring bar i Mm -hmm. want something that's a diver and i trust seiko's spring bars and every so often i chuck them and i put new ones on you know it's it's no differently than any other piece of kit whether you're on a mountain or under the ocean like you know every year i have my reg my life support serviced why i kind of want to breathe (laughs)
0: like well i mean aj it goes as simple as we all own cars or a vehicle of some point. You are of a legal obligation to have it serviced. serviced yes. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's one of those. And, you know, like you said, wear and tear on parts is expected. Yeah, Of course. You know, these are tools. The, and whether they you class them as tools or not, they True. tell the time, bits of the move, right? There's wear and tear on the gears. You have to have things replaced occasionally. That's why there's things called service intervals and service <laughs> warranties, you know? And at the end of the day, like you said, you know, like spring bars are ten a penny. Yeah. You know, gaskets are literally probably 50 a penny you know in terms of having it all done and this is why you pay for those servicings you know and you know what if you're that concerned about losing a watch buy shoulderless spring bars or buy watches which don't have spring bars and have hex bolt screwing lugs
1: sup elliot brown
0: (laughs) and resco Resco also do that yeah but you know what i mean like if you if you're that concerned Get a watch with screw in bars, mm-hmm. you know, and all that kind of stuff. Get a strap that you know is not gonna come off, like a NATO or a single pass. Yeah. You know, don't dive with a bracelet on. Don't no. dive with a two piece strap. No, no. Know?
1: And it's it's and also like it's also picking like I said, like I, I typically like diving with my SKX just because it's it's <clears> my all around. You know the thing has has been th- thrashed against a, uh, rocks during a, uh, popping out from a dive and, and a current change and stuff like, and it's got scratches on the the hardlex and stuff yeah, and it's yeah. great it's fine, but like it's it's something I don't know like it's one of those things where it's like depending on the dive I'll grab a different watch based off of where and what I'm diving you know if I'm tooling about in the kelp I love wearing my Baltic you know if I'm you know deep diving with a loner watch. Well, I'm going to, you know, it's a lunar watch, hopefully it doesn't flood, like, you know, um, but like, it's part of the adventure for me, like Mm -hmm. being able to take these, I can look at my my Baltic and go, I summited Mount St. Helens, and I have dove the Salish Sea and the Puget Sound on the same watch. Mm -hmm. That is dope. It's just, it's just great vibes whenever i feel mm-hmm. down or it's i out of the season and i can't die or i can't climb you know it's just
0: yeah or, or you're just you know in the white walls of the university campus in the office you know yeah,
1: there's that too
0: <laughs> but you know what i mean it's yeah. true like you said it's a form of escapism right right you know i look at my watches and go oh, i traveled to here with that you know yeah. and i did that and it's just it's that kind of stuff but like you said before i go out on every trip i check my spring bars yep i check that they're running you know um I give them a little bit of TLC, be it, you know, a quick clean, just quick once over check over. And even when I get back, you know, I did exactly the same with all my watches. And also because when I was away, obviously the daylight savings ended. So obviously I had to go back an hour. So I did the whole time hack on all my course watches. and made sure that the batteries weren't on the end of life and all that kind of stuff. And funny enough, you know, in doing that, you know twice a year check as well just generic on watches that just basically sit in the boxes you know i've realized that i need to get two batteries to be changed and i need to send another watch back to a company just to get some dust out from underneath the crystal that i've noticed sure it's really simple things like that you know but it's just kit husbandry isn't it really yeah it's kit maintenance and it's just you know i think that's the other side of it is i think people in the watch fam and i you know i've said Watch fan, great place, great great place to be. Yeah. However, I think sometimes we get, or we, or they, you know, as a community, get up on. Well, this watch costs so much money and it's really good, and you know, trying to justify a watch at a certain price point. And a really good example is insert generic diver for seven thousand pounds that right. we've not seen before in a different case material. Try and justify the three grand that it is compared to the other version that is in the, in steel. Fine, justify to me all you want. In-house movement, long power reserve. Fine, but also think about the amount of money that you're going to have to spend to maintain it. Exactly. You know, and I think people forget that as well. You know, they're like, oh, well, it is seven seven thousand pounds. I've justified it because of all this. Fantastic. Go wear it. I think it's a great watch too. Totally. I would probably buy it if I had that money spare. Cool. But I also think, well, I've got X amount of other really nice watches in a box already and I still have to pay out X amount of money every seven to 10 years to have them serviced just to keep them in the condition that they are to effectively sit in the box. Now, I get it. You know, a lot of them do sit in the box, you know, for, for weeks at a time and I rotate and I wind them and I leave them and reset them and stuff like that to keep them ticking over. But in the end of the day, you know, these watches need to be worn or at least wound because gears don't like being sat no. stationary either, you know, no. for a long time. So, you know, it's one of those, you know, I'm going to have to put out money at some point to maintain these, be it for a service or, you know, general maintenance. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think people forget that side of watch ownership as it were.
1: Well, and it's, it's kind of gearless, right? So, I mean, yeah. you and I both being pro-photogs, right? And, I can't tell you how many times that I've had students come to me and just like, you know, oh, I want to get insert whatever camera brand. If it's Leica, Sony, Canon, I don't care. And they're like, oh, I want to get this, you know, F 1.4 lens and this will make me all the best photographer and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, look, yes, I've I've shot them. They're, They're a great piece of kit. Absolutely. If it's the best tool for the job more times more often than not i'll tell that same student or that's, that's that same photographer that's that's budding you know look get a piece of kit that you're comfortable with and then with the other money that you just saved on that kit go places and shoot because that's what you make money with not the, not the kit mm-hmm. but what you mm-hmm. create and yep. you know as a as a professional technologist for the last decade like we get so hung up on spec Like, you know, I don't care if it's a spec of a TV, a computer, or in the case of watches, like, oh, I've got to have this chronometer certified and I need it to have 500 meters of water resistance and a screw down crown all in a sesame seed bun. And you're a desk diver. And I don't mean that as a Mm -hmm. pejorative. like, you know, most of the time my divers are sitting right here at my desk. I admit it, you know, but it's one of those things where just be, you know, be honest with yourself, be call a spade a spade. Like if you think it's cool, then... Look at it as that. but quite frankly, like, and I told you this story, like I've got a watch that I've had for over a decade. It's a citizen eco drive. It's a little field watch. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even remember the, the reference to this. It's a this watch. I think it's like sNX. I think probably I'll put a link in our show notes. I don't. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I've had this for, like I said, over a decade. I've never changed the, the capacitor in it and it stuff still takes a lick and it keeps on ticking. This thing was with me throughout Europe. When we did our grand tour, it was up on one of my mountain expeditions that went very sour. Um, You know, like this, this, this little watch, you know, is maybe a hundred bucks, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where when I look at this, I go, you know, it's it's done things, it's been places, and that's the thing is that I c- could I have spent you know three thousand dollars on a on a fancy watch and done the exact same experience in Europe, absolutely, but quite frankly, I had this and it did just fine. You know, I mm-hmm. I sh- I can show you old pictures of myself in my younger days, you know, with a, uh, a Sony camera and me taking shots that I've used in presentations that I've sold, you know. Mm-hmm and i had a 100 dollar watch on my wrist and a you know i think at the time a 1000 dollars worth of a photography kit and i made <clears> money <throat> you know it's it's one of the things where it's like just be honest with what the kit is and what you intend to do with it
0: <clears throat> um
1: and yeah having spec for spec's sake absolutely it's really cool you and i love kit <laughs> yeah we love kit we love sea dwellers neither one of us saturation dive <laughs> like no I don't know about you. I don't even have any... I I have no desire to saturation dive. But I can look at the the engineering feat that is in that yeah. piece of watch. Or Elliot Brown, for Pete's sakes.
0: Let's just talk about, like... Let's talk about my recent purchase. Let's throw it in there. Sure. I bought it because it's fucking cool. Yes. Like, yeah. There's no other way to do it. The Beachmaster.
1: The Beachmaster. The
0: Beachmaster. I bought the... it because it's cool. Why is it cool? Because... Firstly, I like to think that I can, you know, call Alex and Ian, you know, Lucy friends now after knowing them for as long as I've known them. I'd know, like to be, the, yeah, I'd to be your friend. Yeah, uh, I'd like to be your friend. You know, let, you know, just, just turning up like a bad smell until they let me in to be their friend. That's basically how I've done it. You know, and I'll admit that That's fine. Alex probably really gets annoyed, you know. Um, after uh, after getting certain messages off me occasionally, you know, that, that's fine. You know. I make up to I make up for it when I go and buy him a beer. But the point being is, right, is will I ever do a beach wrecky, as it were, <laughs> as designed by the bloke who basically went to Alec Brown? Can you design a watch that can do this? You know, count up by twelve hours and count down. Yeah. You know, this this idea of you know what they require. No, I am not. <laughs> will I read about it in the history books of people who did have to do it? Yes, I will. Totally. Of course, but. Why did I buy it? Well, the watch is just cool. Yeah. I like the people yeah. who make it. And I, like I said, I, I, I like to get on with them really well. I like their ethos. I like what they do. That's why I bought it. Because I've kind of been... I say, you know, I'm one of the, you know, yes, of the audience, as it were, who were told about it as they were developing, it. you know, like, oh, well, we're, you know, coming up with this idea, keep an eye out. And then as more things came through, it was, oh, look at this, look what we designed, and this is the idea. And then to be there, you know, when they was saying, oh, well, we submitted the patent paperwork, you know, let's hope we get it. And all this, you know, that little journey of something, which actually means, You know, nothing to me, because at the end of the day, you know, it was even going to get made or it wasn't. Right. Effectively, because that's basically it. You know, that's that's the client customer base. It's even going to get made and I'm going to think it's really cool and I'm going to like it because I like what it's made of on the story and it's affordable in my price range or it's not. And I don't like it, but I can appreciate it for what it is. You know, that's basically what it was going to be. And you just sit there and kind of go, why did I buy it? Well, I liked it because of all the things that I felt like I was taken on a bit of a journey and to be able to t- stand here in next year and be like, well, actually, you know, I bought this watch. It's got two patents on it. If you include the patent for their nylon strap, because I will cl- include that, you know, and I like the people who made it and it's quite unique and it looks cool. It's a story. And if people tell, yeah, it's a story and people be like, are you ever going to do any of that stuff with it? Absolutely not. I will take it in the shower and I'll take it in the seat when I go to Cyprus. You know what I mean? Like, but that's,
1: (laughs) you know, and that, and that's fine. And, uh, and that's where, cause I wanted to pivot a little bit from like mechanics for mechanics sake because of doing. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the fact that a lot of these watches are art pieces. Like we just talked about the geophysique. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a watch that I don't even know if it even has a pressure rating and it doesn't really matter. It's a piece it doesn't of doesn't need
0: one because it it's doesn't. a piece of art.
1: And that's right. Like, and I, I want to acknowledge the fact that in the watch fam, like, there are watches that you can own because you see it as an artistic piece. And that's fine too. Like, I don't want people to think that just because we're hashing out, like, oh well, just because you guys do stuff doesn't mean that I do. Cool. If you collect watches because they are an art piece. That is a function. I do believe in art as a function. Okay, without it, humans as a culture would infinitely suck more if we did not have art. Okay,
0: I wouldn't be a photographer if art wasn't a function.
1: Bingo! Like you and I, like it's the like that's the perfect mic drop for us. Like I I I don't want to assuage just because you gravitate towards a mechanical piece or a quartz piece. I don't care, a piece, and you just like the aesthetic because it brings Mm -hmm. you joy. Yeah. Honestly, at the end of the day, that's what all of this is anyway. It's, we don't, like you and I have said time and time again, you don't need a watch in today's society to keep track of time. There is a bajillion different ways that you can. But again, call a spade a spade, where it's just like, if, like you just said, The Beachmaster is a really cool piece. You'll do some stuff with it, but you like the story. And all art is, is storytelling. It's a, vi- and it's a visual way of doing storytelling, but it is a story. And if you buy into that story... Yeah cool, don't look down on the person that does just appreciate a watch because it's an artistic piece. But vice versa, just because you're a collector and you don't want to have your watches thrashed about or used in the world or environment, don't look down on the person who yeah. goes out of their way to re something, bringing it back up to spec so they can do, if it's a tool watch, what it was meant to originally do.
0: Mm-hmm. You, can tell me, you know what I mean? You know, and I think that's the problem. I think some people buy things and they, yeah, they try and justify it in all the wrong reasons. I think that's basically it. You know, just be honest. Like I said, you either like it, you buy it because you like the look of it, or you buy it for the engineering, or you buy it because you're going to use it. Yeah. That's basically it. You know, and just, you don't need to, ju- and also, guys, you just don't need to justify it to everyone. No. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like just whatever is in, it. Your, is in your collection is in your collection, and that's fine. I just think when you collect certain things, You know, there's certain there are certain things that you probably should avoid, you know, or certain ways that you should go around certain things, shall we say, you know, because I know some things are a little bit more uh, divisive. Yeah, I think, you know, if if you look at certain project watches or you look at certain charity watches, you know, there's certain things that could be seen as a little bit more divisive. And, you know, I've seen a lot of that uh, in the last couple of years, you know, but that's just my opinion. And again, it's my only my opinion. I like to think I share that opinion with a few of followers. Um, but I, again, it's just me. Yeah. So there you go. Um, AJ, shall we move on to some Christmas suggestions? Oh, I love it. I, f- I feel like we need to.
1: Ho, ho, ho. Yeah,
0: like I said, we, we, we we're we going to talk about diving and gear and manufacture. And now we've done that, we can move on to Christmas suggestions. Because it is the holidays. It is. As you would say. It is. Yeah. So
1: uh, I'll I'll kick it off. So I've got and I've I've showed you this before. Um, I've got a I so I'm not a huge fan of m- most of the watch rolls that are out there. Mm-hmm. And just because like typically I don't travel with a ton of watches. Um, when I do travel, mm-hmm. usually I'll have maybe two at most. And so really I just need a two two watch pouch. Um, even when I go to Red Bar, I don't really bring a ton of watches with me because mostly like. Yeah, I mean, as everybody's probably figured out, I like telling stories. Mm-hmm. You know, all I only need is a handful of watches to really tell the story. That's that's how I collect. And so, um I found this company called Wrist and Style, W and S. Um and they yeah. have a watch roll and it's got basically like a wool outer and it's a leather inner and it carries two. They make a four pouch version. But what's nice about this is it's got a little slot for your uh, strap bar tool changer, you know, that that you have Nice. And it has a zipper pouch on the top so that you can put, like, I've got a contonement in there. I've got a watch loop and you can shove a couple of straps and stuff. But when you roll it, I mean, it, especially with the two watch, like I can throw this and it's smaller than my Doppler. Mm-hmm. And I really like this. Anybody that has a watch person in their life and they're not, in, they're not super expensive. Unfortunately, um, I have just an Amazon link. So, you know, mileage will vary. See store for details where you are at in the world. But I think the four pouch is like $65 US and the one that I have, which is a two pouch, I think is like 40 uh, US, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's a really nice, uh, my, even my wife my uh, uh, likes this. Um, and that's the other thing that I want to throw out is like, um, if you have a partner that when you travel, you typically travel with watches and and you want to travel light, like basically this is a his and hers. Um, so like if my wife Mm -hmm. and I are traveling, um, like for instance, we just, we did a a wedding, um, earlier in the year and I had my, my dress watch and my wife's dress watch in this. And then I just wore my, uh, Baltic on the plane and that's how we travel, you know, like, um, so if you're looking for a nice watch roll, maybe a his and hers, um, or if you're like me, you only want a, a two pouch or a four pouch. Um, I would I would point uh, anybody to take a look at it for a, a holiday gift.
0: Nice, I like it. Um, I also have a watch roll, you know, suggestion Well, mine's a watch roll, but they do a little bit more. Um, so um, this is by a lady who runs a, a company on Etsy. Um, the company is called Min, Minustudio.co. Hmm. Okay, so again, it's all going to be in the show notes. Um, so she is an artisan leather crafter, as it were, and she does everything from wallets, bags, belts, camera accessories, like pet accessories, like dog leads, and all that kind of stuff. But I was fortunate to have been bought a watch wrong uh, from them, and they do uh, two or three watch watch rolls but then they also do some really nice travel pouches for like single watches as well um so go check them out so what i like about them is is you know you're supporting independent you know really which is obviously great uh, you know this is you know um two people i think that's um, awesome you know which is really good uh, but you get to pick your leather so you get to pick the color and the kind of leather you want you also get to pick the stitching um, and then you can also pick to have it uh personalised and how they do that obviously is leather leather embossing so my one's got my initials on it which is really nice. Um, nice but what I like about it is that it's really nice leather that will obviously age in time and it's one of those you know we travel with our watches you know I like to think that you know you can look at the travel cases that you have with these watches and you know potentially ha- they can have a bit of a story to them as well so go check her out uh, so it's Minu Studio um, so yeah that's my watch one as it were um, and then i'm going to move very quickly on to suggestion number two because mm-hmm. it kind of you mentioned it with your watch roll you have a, a bit have the, have the ability to put a tool in there so the tool i'm going to suggest isn't a watch tool in any way shape or form. It's more of a life tool. Ooh. So um, the joy of Ox, We all love a Vittorianox uh, Swiss Army knife. Um, don't need to go into the history of Ox but in the fact that, you know, they are one of the original, if not the original Swiss Army knife. Because yeah. um, obviously there's Wenger as well. Um, they've been around for 125 years. You know, they're the standard red Swiss Army knives that you see. Now, I have a particular fondness for the model called the Climber. I actually do have one. I was fortunate, you like this, bring it back into watches. Um, I was gifted one by Vertex Watches. Cool. It's got Vertex scales on it, but the actual model is the Climber. Um, And I think why have I picked it? Because it's an affordable um, Swiss Army knife. It's in the £30 mark. Um, But what's really good is the fact that the blade is UK friendly. So it's a non locking blade and it's under. The, you know the legal carry length for you know daily carry right um so it in theory obviously you're going to check your knife laws wherever you guys live because i don't know where you live um check it out but if you from my research if it's legal carry in uk it's probably legal carry the rest of the world yeah is what i'm getting at um but you know you've got 13 or something tools on there you've got scissors you've got a couple of screwdrivers you've got two blade lengths corkscrew and all that kind of stuff um really handy bit of kit and i probably use mine every day you know i i literally take take go it i go to work with it in my smart pocket um i put a lanyard on it as well just in case i you know and lose it effectively just to, to uh, yeah into my you know into myself somehow um but i always have that on me and if it's not on me it's near it's in a bag so 30 something pounds really handy and I think most people are now kind of moving in that way of having a knife of some kind or a tool of some kind to help them, uh, in their daily life. You know, and I think as well, the good thing you got with this army knife, right, is they're not, well, they are common obviously, but because of what they are, I think they look unthreatening. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, I think that's quite important. You know, it is a bladed, you know, it could, could be as a weapon. It could, you know, obviously, you know, it's a blade, it's a knife, but It looks unthreatening. It looks more daily carry than some of the other things that you see from companies like Spyderco. They're really tactical and they're like fast opening lock blades and all that kind of stuff. And they just look a little bit more aggressive for what they are. Right. And I think this is the same with Gerber. I think I don't think you need a Gerber multi-tool for everything in life, to be honest. I mean, as good as they are, you don't always need one, but they look because of the design cues, they look more aggressive than they probably need to be. So that's the other side of it. So if you're a frequent traveler, go check out, you know, the Victoria Knox range.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. So for mine, I've got, um, it's, it's, it's kind of in the same vein as tools. As many know, like I've, I've modded many watches. I've I've built, um, I built one for my son when, when he was first born. And I've, I've been commissioned to do um, mostly some Seiko build um, stuff from mm-hmm. scratch. And now, with I mean the the Seiko based stuff being so prolific, it is so much easier to find parts, and it is so much easier to find uh, the right tools to, if you wanted to do your own build. So mm-hmm. it's to the point where now there is a kit. There's a company called DIY Watch Club, and I've heard of these guys. I've I've not I've not used their stuff, but I've seen build people who have done their builds. And mm-hmm. what's great is they have now a GMT watch kit that uses the new Seiko uh, NH34 GMT movement. So
0: the one that's in the GMT Seiko 5. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and the, 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 the NH34 is getting, getting out there and stuff. You can source it uh, independently and stuff now. And, um, but what's nice about it is um, when I started putting stuff together years ago, it was a pain, like you you know the struggles that I had, where it's just like trying to find things that would that were actually you know manufactured correctly or you know. And what's nice about this is DIY Watch Club basically sells an entire kit in caboodle, all of the tools. And they have videos that they send you that show you uh-huh. how to do it and how to do it um, correctly, um, how to press your crystal, how to do all of the stuff, um, and that really takes the angst for anybody who wants to get into doing a build themselves and they're, they're pretty inexpensive. Um, I think the, the GMT kit I think starts at 370 us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, that's a really good price. Um, And for, you would be building your own GMT. Um, They supply the dial. You, you would stack the hands yourself and put it together and so, if you have somebody who, in, who's uh, curious about tinkering and stuff, you know, buying this kit and giving it to them um, uh, with the links to the videos, you know, and have them have that journey of, like, we're talking about manufacturing, you know, putting it together, you know, there's a piece that somebody could do themselves um, a lot easier than back when I, I started doing this. So,
0: Of course. Yeah. You're literally giving them the gift of time. Pretty much. You're, they're putting their time into it as mm-hmm. well. Exactly. I think, like I said, you know, it's it's, it's really... Yeah. I, I do want to check it out. I've I've been following, uh, I remember it was on the American Horology Association, that's the one, and they used to do uh, three-day workshops, yes. uh, and I think in the British Horology Institute have started doing them, um, but effectively when I came across to America a few years ago, I wanted to try and coordinate my trip with one of those uh, workshops, yeah, because you buy your place at the workshop and you've, you it, it takes into account your lunch and dinner or something like that as well right. every day and all the parts to build your watch and all the lessons. But at the end of it, you walk out with your own watch, and yeah. I was just like that'd be really cool, yeah, you know. I think it's like $700 or something, yeah. you know, for the full three days, tuition, watch kit. Um, but obviously, they've got so many kits there and. You're always going to walk away with a watch that works, like, you know, because they'll make it work by the time you finish, you know. Uh, but I just thought that would be really cool. So the fact that you can now do it at home is just awesome.
1: Yeah. And, and like, and I, I remember those courses as well. I looked at them as well. And I believe they use like uh, Swiss Unitas. Um, I think you mm-hmm. build a, a hand wind movement. Um, yes, you do. And with this, like, um, and that, that they kind of deep dive a little bit further into the actual, like, getting into the base plates and the, and the gearing and yeah. stuff where this is basically assembly. So, you know, yeah. like I would I would point somebody towards this before deep diving into that because then you would have a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know, knowledge of like, oh yeah, that's that's right. That's how like when you stack hands, you know, that's what I'm going to be looking at. Also, this is automatic, you know, as opposed to a hand winder. Yeah. So like that, um, and you can do it at home, like you said. So yeah, totally, totally.
0: Yeah, I like it, big fan. Um, so I've got two more. Um, so I'm going to go into, well, I've got three more, uh, um, but one of them's really small, so I'm going to do all three of mine in the one hour. okay, because okay. I'm going I'm to end big, aging. I'm going to end big in terms of like, the, the money that's going to get put down on these things, oh, okay. and they're not watch related. So firstly, um, for those who like to travel and don't uh, like using your Notes app on your phone, uh, you suggested them before. We all know what they are. Uh, field notes, fantastic little notepads that you can buy. Um, the one that I want to suggest to the watch fam is the hidden key collaboration versions. And the reason for that is because we're in the watch fam and we like watches. They have um, released a set of field notes. Uh, thank you, AJ, for taking the delivery of mine, <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as modeled by you, um, in collaboration with the Hamilton Khaki Hadinky I don't know what kind of collaboration, collaboration I want to thing. call it now, yeah. but whatever. Anyway, the point being is, is that the front of the notepads have watch dials on them handsets and all that kind of stuff and if you hit them with a uv light they glow they're loom that's what i liked about them yeah okay i won't lie to you that bit was the thing that got me but there's loads of different field notes that you can buy um they're slightly waterproof paper uh, as right in the rain and all that kind of stuff so if you're you know active you travel use them you know for whatever you're going to use them for really Simple, easy stocking fillers. Um, I think that set is seventeen dollars for three US or yeah, something I think so. like that. Yeah. So you know, what I mean, affordable little stocking filler there. Okay. So go check out Field Notes. There's other front covers that you can buy, not just Hodinky versions. Um, I particularly like. I think there was a set that was like world maps as well in the past, and they were quite cool. So yeah. So there's those. Um, now, to those who are camera aficionados amongst us. Um, I feel it would be wrong for me not to suggest a bit of camera equipment. Um, and the camera equipment that I have looked at, uh, and you can obviously buy different versions of this, but I felt that this one was quite important or quite interesting, should we say, because it's handmade leather goods again, um, is by a company called Holdfast Leather Pro Goods. Yeah, that's uh, cool. And it is the, they call it the skinny moneymaker. Maker. And what I mean by that is because clearly you're running enough cameras to make money, <laughs> um, and effectively, guys, it's a double camera sling. Okay, uh, there's other companies you can buy them from. Um, I've used Black Rapid ones in the past, going through training, very good. But I just find that because of what they're made of and the way that they adjust, the Black Rapid ones don't necessarily sit well if you have a day sack yeah. on. As well in my experience uh, whereas these hold fast ones are flat you know they're flat leather you could if you had to run a day sack on top of them as well and be more comfortable for a day um photography you can sling two cameras you can sling a camera and a flash you can sling other things off them but effectively think of it as a double harness for cameras um they look really good they're obviously handmade in the america and i believe you can pick the different you know leather Um, types and all that kind of stuff I've seen some that aren't made leather I've seen some that were trialled by a Danish not Danish sorry Dutch army photographer and his one didn't look leather like it was nylon Uh, so there's those options out there Uh, the leather ones run at about $230 depending on what you're doing uh, in the sizes and you know the camera setups and what you want for them as well Um, in fact there's one for three cameras I've never been in a situation where I'd run three cameras, well, but that's the that option. What, you
1: know? it, what it typically is, is you have your slings left, right, and then they have one yeah. for like a, if you have like a small, like an APS-C in the chest. Oh, so okay. that that's how yeah. that, that config runs.
0: Yeah. So yeah, check it out. Would you run three cameras, AJ, at any one given time?
1: Uh, I have, um, when doing like, uh, mm-hmm. doing, doing uh, uh, photo shoots for, for wedding, but nine times out of 10, no, usually I'll be running two. Um, and then I'll mm-hmm. have, um, at the time, uh, before I had a, having a child, um, my wife was running second gun. So she would, she would mm-hmm. just have my other, other kid. Um, but no, just typically, you know, it's, it's pretty common to ha- you have two bodies, um, especially when you're doing something yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. Um, but no, having a third and like I said, the, the third one, it's, it's, it's cute. Like, like I said, you, it's, it's just like if you had, um, just the, the normal camera strap around your neck and then you had the mm-hmm. two on the side. I wouldn't run with that configuration personally, but I, I get it. No,
0: I get it. Yeah, yeah. I am um, definitely. I've definitely only ever run with two camera bodies at any one time. Um, and you have to ba- i found as well, you have to balance the lenses to the camera bodies because it yes. turns out, just say so you're aware, a long telescopic lens on the body of a 1DX, very heavy on one side.
1: <clears throat> yes, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, if you have a uh, at uh, the other the other option uh, uh, the other christmas suggestion um aj i was going to suggest was uh, uh sports massage and chiropractic <laughs> appointments for you know all those back problems that uh that photographers get when you run heavy lenses on one side oh no it's um, mostly, it's not, being, it's mostly being
1: on your feet uh man being on your feet all day doing working at an event that that's what really kills you.
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's just people. I think forget how much you have to put into getting certain shots. I think that's all it is. Um, but again, that's in my experience as well. So I agree. yeah, that's, I agree. Uh, that's it. Um, so I'm going to finish with the most expensive suggestion, as it were, um, that I've got. And fortunately um, for everyone, it's you know there are other options out there but this is one that I really like um so Schofield watches we mentioned Giles earlier um artisan kind of independent watchmaker really interesting guy to speak to as well like really highly intelligent really good bloke to speak to uh they're headquartered out of Bournemouth um And I plan to drop in at some point. Last time I was in that neck of the woods, they were actually closed, unfortunately, because they were, you know, it was just their their, their day off and I timed it wrong, uh, which is a shame. I'd love to drop by there. But he does a fountain pen. okay? And as you know, I like pens as well. Um, He does a fountain pen, um, but he also does it where you can get effectively a rollerball. And you can get a conversion kit. So you can buy the rollerball and the fountain pen as a kit effectively and have the same oh. body with both, which is really nice. Um, these are made from uh, carbon fiber as well as um, acrylic, which is pre- like effectively milled for him in certain colorways. Um, the one that I'm going to suggest is literally called, Oh My Gosh, It's Full of Stars. <laughs> so... The story goes um, with these pens that he wanted to design a pen. And he took inspiration from the science fiction film, a 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. Ah. So effectively, he wanted to, you know, take that kind of design cue Um, Across the whole range of pens and in in the colorways and in the shape, kind of loosely resembles a spaceship and all that kind of stuff. Um, But the black one's really cool because they actually put diamond dust into the acrylic before he sets it or before it's set for him. So each pen is unique and it glistens, obviously, with the diamond dust. So that's the pen. Um, They come with German bock nibs as well. And they come with like the, you know, the um, injector filling. So you don't have to have um, ink cartridges as well. So really nice fountain pen. It's up there, obviously, in price because it is. um, But actually, I won't lie to you, it's still cheaper than a Mont Blanc fountain pen.
1: Yeah. For what
0: you buy. These run like, what, 500 pounds? $4.58. Four fifty-eight. It's close. Uh close. To be honest, you know, it's a lot of money, you know, but I also understand that some people, you know, we're in the watch fam. There are some people out there that are eccentric, you know, and they like a nice pen with a nice watch. Um, there are other ones out there. I just wanted to highlight this one because the story, it goes back to the story behind it is really cool. You know, if you're into science fiction and you like that those, those films and you like that, designed you, you they are the only place that you can go to get these pens what i think was really cool as well is that the way that the camera uh, the camera <laughs> the pen lid twists on the caps twist they're always straight they're perfectly straight oh, every cool. time they they come on and off so you know you don't have that drama and i won't lie to you i own a Mont blanc fountain pen and my lid is never perfectly straight hmm. even on those so the amount of money that you spend it'll never perfectly align on the the tube as it were. Interesting. So on the body. So there you go. Huh. But yeah, check them out. Like I said, you can also get them in what they call a fiber tip, which is effectively a rollable. Um, so you can interchange. So there you go. That's my final suggestion for Christmas. So effectively, I've given you notepads, pens, pen knives, and watch travel kits. Nice. There
1: you go. I've got, I've got two left. Um, I've got the stocking stuffer, the, the uh, as I mm-hmm. like to call this one. And that is, um, going back to Elliot Brown, I I love the Heritage straps. I, I've got one on my Baltic right now. Uh, thanks for helping me uh, source it. And, yep. you know, the fact that you can get a, a, a strap that is a single pass, it's super light, and the buckle. I love the damn buckle. You know, it, it makes it – I don't like bracelets on watches typically. Mm-hmm. This strap is, like, the closest thing that I could – imagine like a well-fitted bracelet on a watch would feel like um mm-hmm. and i just i love the buckle it's, you know it's their patent and stuff and uh as i found out and uh had uh, had your help uh getting like i have all three of the hardware so i've got the bronze hardware for my bronze yeah. watch i got the black dlc for whenever i want to have a black dlc matching and i've got mm-hmm. the the normal stainless and boy howdy i don't know what type of coating they use but i've i've Scratch the hell out of this and the coating doesn't come off man like i've got no yeah yeah. like props to whatever magic or mojo they use on their their hardening it's it's really good hardware
0: yeah like the the quality on what they do with those straps are just amazing yeah um you know and like you said infinitely adjustable to the length of the material which is great. I mean, admittedly, I'm never going to run out because I've got really small wrists, but such a comfortable nylon strap, you know, just in fact, I go so far to say the most comfortable strap OEM strap that I own. Yeah. I agree. To be honest, like, um, and you get different colors, you know what I mean? I've got what well, I've got black and khaki. I've got black with khaki stripe. And I swear I've got one more. Yeah. I think I've got four. I don't know. How many How many did I send out to you again? So you, you
1: helped me get me the, the, the bronze, or sorry, not the bronze, the khaki with the blue stripe and the bronze hardware. And you originally had sent me the uh, the, the dark blue with the light blue strap or yes, uh, strip. That was it. And then uh, I got the orange, orangish red, um, mm-hmm. kind of like the yeah. Marine National style looking uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Um, but the other thing I like about them is because uh, like my Baltic is a 20 mil lug and obviously you can have any Elliot Brown strap you want as long as you want 22
0: unless you wear a women's watch obviously. okay well unless yes yeah, okay,
1: yeah. agreed but like I love the fact that I can I can throw this between a 20 um, or a 22 and even on a 20 yeah. it doesn't look wrong like off you know it doesn't pinch yeah, yeah. or pucker um, which I really appreciate so
0: yeah, and, and they designed it that way as well from the beginning Which is really cool because they wanted them to be worn on the um, The Cambridge watches which I believe are 20. Oh, now. oh okay. Yeah, 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 didn't know so, like you know, they did think of it I guess, you know, but just a really cool strap really yeah. cool strap <clears throat>
1: But Anyway, my, my last one is for those with families. So if you have a kiddo like me the kids watches How do I put this nicely suck? They just suck Oh my gosh! Like,
0: <laughs> I, I, are we on about the the moon swatch again, or are you just on about kids? Oh, don't watches give me. So, we'll, we'll
1: talk off the mic about that. But uh no, so like, no, like kids watches, especially because I I want something with a bezel, um, because my son loves Dadas adventure watches. Most of my watches have a f- adult fidget spinner called a bezel, and so when you see like most kids watches, if they have like a bezel on it that's not turnable, I don't under- I don't understand this. So anyway, um, I, I I stumbled upon uh, Block, B-L-O-K, watches, uh, when they, like the, the month after they launched. And uh, I reached out to the uh, CEO and I've, I've had them on the Analog Explorer. The dude is awesome. Neil is a great guy. And where his uh, uh, design and heart is really focuses on how kids, especially because quite frankly, if you're a parent, you'll understand this. They don't have a concept of what, five minutes is they don't like you can tell me a five minutes and then we get ready to go and there's like oh i thought i had five minutes it's been 10 minutes what are you talking about and so Mm -hmm. having that type of psychology you know he brought it into um block and shifted the dial so that 12 o'clock isn't at 12 it's actually between where 12 and 1 is so that block of time shows an hour and then the bezel itself is blocked out as well in 5 10 30 uh, minute increments so that when you tell a kid you have 30 minutes and then we're going to be leaving the playground it's a tool for any parent that is trying to do time management with your kid i can't recommend block um highly enough um they're uh for us in the watch fam they're fairly inexpensive for watch muggles you're probably going to look at the price and be like really i'm going to spend two hundred dollars on, on a kid's watch it's worth it from a perspective of you're trying to teach your kid time management. Uh, it's been invaluable. Um, and full disclosure, I have three of them for my, my kid. They're 179 USD. You can find all the kind of colorways you want. Um, they're all Pantone colors, which is great. Um, they're 33 mil. Um, so they don't look like a panoray on a kid's wrist.
0: Doesn't have screw-down crowns as one. Well.
1: Yes, they do. They have screw-down crown, they have a quartz uh, Swiss movement, and they're a monocoque case. So they're all front-loaded through the crystal. It's a distro case, you know, the crown's on the, the left. But that's because they don't want the kid to play with the crown. Like, you set the time, you set it, forget it, and they can tell the time. Like, that's... There's a mm-hmm. lot of... Like, we were talking about manufacturing. There's a lot of function and form in the manufacturing that they did. it. It's also in a bioplastic case, all all the, the, the normal um, design buzzwords. But from a functional standpoint, um, like, if I could call this a operational watch for a kid, this is the closest thing I've ever found. Like... <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it is it's great bi-directional on the bezel um and uh my wife Glows in the dark. Uh, does not glow in the dark that's the one thing i nicked him on uh is uh it would be great to have the the loom on it but again you know most of the time when you're using this from the perspective of, as a parent it's going to be daytime like you're, mm-hmm. you're if it's bedtime you don't want them to have something that's going to distract them at night i would know of course yeah. bringing in my fare when it's fully charged I can't get my kid to go back uh, go to sleep because there's enough loom to light up the moon on that thing so um <laughs> but if if the block watch did have loom in it it would have been probably the perfect kids watch ever designed in my book and like i said i've, I've had neil on on the analog explorer so if you want to listen to the backstory of of um his design firm and how uh, block got started take a look at that episode
0: good watch choice yeah
1: that's the kid's christmas present right
0: there closing notes yep closing notes um Right, so I've been listening to audiobooks. As you all know, I'm a big fan. Um, I am going to suggest another audiobook by an author I've suggested in the past. So a guy called Stephen Pressfield. Uh, he wrote the last book, which I suggested, called Killing Rommel. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode or you haven't gone off and you know listened to that closing note suggestion of mine, which I think is absolutely perfect, um, go and do it. Um, so Killing Rommel is about... The war in nineteen forty-one in in the North African desert, okay, based around the true account and uh, the true events, sorry, not true account, the true events of uh, the British involvement in the North African campaign. Um, But it's fiction. It follows, you know, um, fictional characters within the. long-range desert group and eventually they you know plan to assassinate rommel effectively that is the proviso of that book so go check that out the book that i'm listening to at the moment is called the gates of fire hmm. and it is all about the 300. nice king leonidas king leonidas the spartans at the hot gates so again he i believe Stephen Pressfield is a historian by trade, writer by choice. Um, and he entwines all of the ancient Greek history with mythology and the mindset you know, of the Spartans and the Greeks and, you know, the Persians and everything. And it's all, it's, it's told from different, slightly different perspectives, um, all the way through. And like I said, I'm only about a third of the way through, but it's a fantastic book. Um, if you're into, you know, historical fiction, effectively, um, go and check it out. Very good author. Um, I like that it's an audio book because actually the language in it is quite heavy. Um, and I, feel that the narrator just kinda you know, he just brings it to life a little bit, you know, and you know, I also understand what Christmas is like for me. I travel a lot to go see family. Um, you know, I'm in and out of different houses, sofas, surfing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm up and down the road, I'm you know, two days here, one day here, seeing friends here. I'm always in the car, AJ. So for me to not listen to, you know, the standard UK Christmas top 40 that hasn't changed since 1980, you know, in the car, it's fantastic, you know, so I can easily burn through books. Um, So that's why I will always suggest it as um, an audio, but that, and like I said, the language is just a little bit heavier. I think you would enjoy it if you weren't traveling over the Christmas season uh, and you could just sit in front of a log fire with a whiskey for, you know, the best part of three days, you could probably burn through it um but yeah actually in reality terms the audiobook is the way to go on this one so go check it out um really easily downloadable and if you have um audible through amazon i believe you can get one month one credit a month for free and i just use my credits to be perfect I mean, so even thriftier there, saving money and all that kind of stuff free education as it were um so go check it out go check it out really good book so that's my closing note suggestion
1: nice so well, I've, I've i'm i'm in the same vein and uh, full disclosure this podcast is not brought to you by audible we uh, are not sponsored by them at all but uh i do i have an audiobook as well and um it's uh if you're a fan, so like I like I like Kaive Kessler, um, may he rest in peace because he he passed during the uh pandemic. And um I was I mean, as much as I like Dirk Pitt, um, I was more of a fan of the Sam and Ramy Fargo series, the husband and wife um uh, duo uh, uh adventure series that he did. Um and of course I'm a huge fan of like Jason Heaton's Death Charge and he's got Sweetwater in the works. But uh, I was kind of looking for something in the same vein as, like, Heaton and Custler, and but not not in the same style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about, like, Custler uh, is, like, or in, in most adventure, like, series, there's usually, like, a former ex-seal is going to save the day and find the lost treasure. Like... There's only so much of that I can take, to be honest. Like I've, you yeah. know, n- no offense to authors, but like having somebody with a military background going save the day, it's kind of like d- we've been there, we've done that. I want more of the Indiana Jones. I want the civilian who stumbles in it and, you know, has to fight the baddies type of a thing. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of come from that side. So I found something that just totally tickled that itch, and it's called the Deep series uh, by Nick Sullivan. Uh, Deep okay. Shadow is the first, uh, first of that series. And I'm recommending the audiobook over the book book because Nick, before he was an author, was a professional audiobook narrator. So he has got the ability, an uncanny ability to read a book. He can do accents like mm-hmm. he has a um, he ha- one of the characters is from South London. And so he emulates a female South London accent along with like okay. um, accents of like a Kentucky boy and stuff. And the premise of the deep series is that you've got um, these two dive masters that um, mm-hmm. it's, it's around diving, but you have these two dive masters and they stumble into um, by accident, a plot. So like in the first book, there is a um, terrorist taken over submarine type of a thing. Um, and then it gets further and it's all taking into place in the Caribbean. Um, so these are in the ABC islands. This is actually the, the first book I think takes place in Bonaire and you know, you've got, Oh,
0: like the other famous watch book that we know about that takes place in Bonaire. Yeah. Diving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, but Which I still haven't finished, By the way, I'm not slugging them off. I no, just haven't finished it. No, yet. no, no. I get
1: it. I get it. But what's cool about it is, uh, Nick, he, uh, he, as a, as a kid, he, instead of some families like, you know, we're going to go to Disneyland this year, his family took them to Aruba and Bonaire and Curaçao. And so as a kid growing up, that was the family, um, the family trips, the family, uh, adventures. Mm-hmm. So he grew up in that area and all of his books take place, basically harvoring back to his days as a youth. And then later as an adult, because he kept diving and he kept uh, exploring that, that region. What I found amazing about this, bro, is that Nick is a part of this like um, collaboration of um, tropical authors? It's like a guild, mm-hmm. and so what's cool is is like there's um, there's a handful of these authors. Like I think there's like six or seven of them, and they've made their own like uh, u- uh, universe where basically you'll have cameos of different yeah. characters jump into each other's books. So oh, in, okay. in Nick's uh, like later like Deep Cut, which is I think like the third or the fourth book in his series there's another dive master called AJ and she comes in with her boat and stuff and she she cameos and she plays a part in his book. And so I'm guessing his characters also jump into the, the other author's books as well. But it's a really cool series. If you're into diving, if you're into, I'll call it accidental adventures where you have like the plot point isn't like I said, you're not like uh, I don't know former CIA agent. that's gonna you know blow the government out of the water. You know if you're if you're more of a fan of that that type of style of accidental uh, adventure, I would highly look and, and, and listen. Definitely listen to Nick's uh,
0: narration of his books. They're amazing. But no, I I've, I've actually just loaded the books up um so i will use my uh free credit oh there you go uh yeah yeah there you go uh treat myself for christmas with a free credit um no it does sound good though because i like like you said i like the idea the fact that effectively if you find out the other authors you could effectively pinpoint and follow the other characters if you like another character yeah. i think that's really cool it is cool it's like an easter egg isn't it it's like easter eggs within books i like it so yeah um i just find it funny how it's set in Bonaire and it's all about diving. So yeah. maybe, maybe Mr. Heaton might have read it. So there you go. Maybe he's releasing a second one, isn't he? Yeah, Sweetwater.
1: It doesn't. It's not yeah, out yeah. yet. I really want Jason to actually do an audio book of of his books. I think it, it, it's funny. I, I I think I even sent up a, a DM like either a if Nick Sullivan could narrate uh, his books, I think it would lend well, or um, Ray Porter. Ray Porter did... Um,
0: Ray Porter did um, Terminalist.
1: Yeah, I believe he did. Ter- yeah, he did. he did. Terminalist. He's done some Clive Clussler stuff. Um, but he's an amazing audiobook he's uh, narrator as well.
0: very good. I, I really like Ray Porter. Yeah. Um, you know who also is good? Um, but you have to be in a sedate kind of mood to listen to him if you're into the espionage is John le Carre before he died. So when John Le Carre narrates his own books, it just brings his books to life. You know, I think that's really good. Um, There's 267, by the way, books that Ray Porter has done on 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 um, Audible at the moment. Uh, But yeah, no, I I'm a big fan. Oh, actually, I've just found out he did, and you'd probably like this. And I've been meaning to get this, and there you go. This, This is a live uh closing note guys because i'm literally about to download it myself as well is the apollo murders by chris hadfield oh nice so chris hadfield being the canadian astronaut Astronaut. he wrote his books called the apollo murders obviously all about that but it is narrated by. By Ray Porter. Oh, there we so go. There you go. If you like space and Ray Porter, there you go. So there's another one, guys. That was free. You can take that fit into the new year.
1: Man, we went went from ma- manufacturing watches, diving, and we're giving book recommendations.
0: Wow, what a collective! Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, and 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 Fika and Denmark and all that. So yeah, we, we've we've done a done a lot in 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 this Christmas episode, um, guys. How this episode is going to work, um, is I will be lazy. I won't launch you and I'll upload the whole thing. Um, AJ will be a lot more concise because I know that he'll stick it into the Analog Explorer. Yeah. So he will splice this all up. Um, check out both sides because you'll get different elements of this episode. Yeah. Um, I have nothing else to say, AJ. We've done the closing notes. We've had a catch up on the mic, as it were, for the episode. Um, guys, I hope you do have a really good Christmas break and New Year's with your family um, and your friends uh, and those of you deployed or on duty, obviously be safe wherever you are in the world and whatever you are doing. Um, I look forward to potentially seeing any uh, suggestions that we've given in this podcast appear in my timely moments, DMs in terms of, you know, with a watch maybe. That'd be great. Um, I look forward to um, seeing any watch purchases over the holidays coming in as well um but guys uh thank you for another year of listening um hopefully there'll be a few more years at least of the podcast uh i have a few plans for the new year in terms of um interviews with other companies uh so just kind of bear with me on that i have to work with obviously their kind of schedule more than mine um but I hope you have a good break and I'll see you in the new year. AJ, have you got anything else to add to that?
1: No, just happy new year, everyone. And uh, happy holidays. And wherever you are in the world, hope you're staying warmer than Dan right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not going to be hard for them to say, i stay warmer (laughs) than I am right now. But But yeah, all right, guys. (laughs) We'll catch you later. Yeah, cheers.